Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Get Spanish Football News Show. My name is Tommy Hay and I'm joined here by freelance European football writer Reese Tigwell. This time, just the same as last time, we've been caught in the middle of a, a big <laughs> midweek game, Reese. So uh, this time it's uh, Atalanta against Real Madrid. Currently 0-0, 16 minutes gone, but Atalanta are down to 10 men. Froiler sent off for a questionable red card. I was listening to this on the Spanish radio just before we started recording and uh, one of the commentator said anything less than a win is a defeat now given the circumstances would you agree with that yeah I probably would I mean at least over the two legs um it's not the game many thought it would be I think many thought that there'd be lots of goals in this game but in the first half in particular there was very few clear-cut chances the best chance came just before the break uh Tony Kroos with a free kick he found Casemiro it was a great save by Colini um, in goal to deny the Brazilian but yeah, I think the red card could be a, a real turning point. There's about, what, 20 minutes to go now. So, But I think over the two legs, Real Madrid should be comfortably the victors. They should be comfortable with the victors, but it's just, I think I would have to agree with the guy uh, on the on the radio. I don't know don't know who it was. It was one of the, one of the Spanish uh, journalists who said, if you don't at least get a goal here, it's, it, it's really not good because the Atlanta, it's, it's not an, exactly an impregnable defence, you know? So... Yeah, they'll be, be looking to get something. 20 minutes to go as we as we just start the recording. We'll obviously comment on that as the game goes on. Uh, one result we do know, though, is that Atletico lost against Chelsea. Now, Marca, we're running with the headline, Atletico hits the wall. Atletico se estampa here. Really, really critical of the way that they approach this game. Um, much be made of the fact that, uh, they get, um, that Simeone basically got it wrong tactically. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I definitely think there's an argument for that. They seem to revert to their old ways last night. Um, they changed from the three at the back, the three-five-two that we've seen so often, back to what looked more like a four-four-two, or uh, as some people have described it, a six-three-one. Um, there was obviously no, no Trippier and also no Vishalico to cover him either. So what we had was we had um, Marcus Llorente playing at right back. Um, and over the course of the game, they really didn't create much. They seemed too cautious and, and too worried about losing. And they were also missing uh, Jimenez, which is arguably their most important defender as well, who came off of an injury against uh, Levante. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it, it did look like, as you touched on there, it looked like they very much sort of set out not to lose as opposed to as opposed to win the game. Now, that's worked for Simeone in the past multiple times, but... I think the big difference is, as has been pointed out, is that they, they've gone into these games where they have had success in a strong defensive run. If they've put strong defensive runs together. That's not the, the current situation, is it? Uh, you mentioned Trippier. It's amazing that we we, we reported earlier today that in, in the in the seven La Liga games since Kieran Trippier's 10-week ban was confirmed, Atletico have kept zero clean sheets. They've conceded 12 and they've dropped seven points. So... I almost had the feeling that they were overcompensating for for these defensive frailties that they know exist. And that's where this, what looked like a 6-3-1 at times, uh, came from. You know, Do you think they were overcompensating? Yeah, I definitely think that there's a, an argument for that. And as well, they were also missing Carrasco um, and, and Suarez, who's been, we've discussed before, has largely been brought in to face the lower teams where he scored a hat full of goals. Uh, once again, he's, he hasn't scored a single goal against this so-called top team this season. Um, he was pretty absent last night. And it's going to be very difficult now. They've got to go to London. 
Um, and Chelsea have got that all-important away goal. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they approach the second leg. I think they've got to change. But by the way, what a fantastic goal by Olivier Giroud last night. Unbelievable. I was convinced it was offside until I saw that the touch came off. Um, <laughs> Hermoso it was. I was yeah. uh, totally convinced that it was like it was off because he was in an offside position, but just the last touch comes off Hermoso. And what a finish. I just, you're obviously disappointed that the Spanish teams are not doing so well as we'll get onto later, but I just love Giroud. I don't know anyone that doesn't like Giroud. He's <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> just such a likable guy. Um, yeah. But, but yeah. Um, okay. Well, yeah, as I say, we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit more about Spanish teams in Europe later, but just staying on the subject of Atletico, that's two consecutive defeats. They've got a tough schedule coming up, but myself and Daniel were talking about the, the test that they had coming up against Levante with these two consecutive games. And you'd have to say they failed that test, picking up one point out of a possible six. What did you make of the whole Levante um, kind of duel? Yeah, so that, that was only their second defeat um, this season. Uh, and it was not long ago that, you know, it looked as if they were cruising at the top of La Liga. But suddenly we have a title race on once again. Um, they went behind early on. Uh, Morales, who's arguably Mr. Levante, his deflected shot went went down as a, a Mosso own goal. Um, at times it was like the Alamo. I think Atletico had 28 shots versus Levante six. 11 came on target. Um, they hit the woodwork. And also, again, another brilliant finish from De Frutos at the end. Um, although it was an open goal, it's not easy to do from that range. And also on his 24th birthday as well. Ah. One of the happiest of birthdays for the food. <laughs> I didn't know it was his birthday. Fantastic. Yeah, great day. Great day for him. And yeah, not an easy goal to do. There were players bearing down on him. And he was a fair, fair way out as well. So yeah, great for Levante and Morales as well. Like there's what more can you say about him? He is he is Mr. Levante. In fact, when I remember a couple of years ago, I think he's missed his chance now, but a couple of years ago. 2018, when the when the World Cup was on, a lot of people were really gutted that he hadn't made it into the the Spain team because he's he's a quality player, and they're they are really this is about as good as it gets for them this season. Um, in terms of the Copa del Rey run, you know, in the semis could possibly be in the final for the first time in their history, and also in the league, like they're they're mid table but they're playing good stuff and the, you know putting wins together against Madrid. Beating beating Atletico now as well, so it's uh, it's it's a good good times there. Difficult for Atletico, and you now look at the running, not the running, but you, the next couple of games they've got: Sunday, nine p.m. Spanish time, eight p.m. Uh, British and Irish time against Villarreal. That's not going to be an easy one. And then on the seventh of March, they've got the Madrid derby coming up. Now it looked like there was night and day between those two not that long ago. Now you look at it, you look at the table. They don't get something against Real and Madrid win again. You just wonder how significant can, can that Madrid derby be? It's going to be absolutely crucial, I think. Um, as well, that that result was their first home defeat since 2019, which is absolutely massive. And as well, Levante, as we've discussed, winning away at Atleti was for the first time in their history as well. Not bad, not bad at all. Well, we'll have a, a proper preview of that next week with, with Daniel of the Madrid Derby. We're going to talk about Barcelona because just earlier they they played, they managed to pull a 3-0 win out of the hat against an Elche side that you know, they've got the new manager and all that kind of stuff that are a little bit up and down. But it was a horrendous first half. <laughs> and I mean horrendous. 
one of the worst first halves I've ever seen. There was a, again, I was listening to it on the radio. Guy on Cadenas said, if I was Messi just now, I'd feign an injury and go off. Um, <laughs> Koeman's come out and said the first half, they lacked rhythm, that the, the team was a bit of a kind of mishmash, so the few players didn't play. Griezmann's tired, so he wasn't there. Um, it was really an awful first half. They stepped up in the in the in the second half. Ended up one and three now. Pretty comfortable win in the end, but it was looking pretty tense there just for the first forty five. Yeah, it was, and they eventually finally broke down LJ um, just after half time and, and prevailed. Messi got two both typical trademark Messi goals with his dribbling as he you know he slaloms through defenders, and uh, Jordi Alba rounded it off as well. Barca back in third now, of course, five points behind Atletico, two behind Real Madrid and two above Sevilla. Haven't played a game more, of course. Yeah, haven't played a game more. So we'll get onto that when we when we preview the um the, the Sevilla game in just a second. I have to talk about something that's completely uh, just out of out of the blue just today. So we, we the first time you came on the show, we were talking about the Barca presidential race. I saw in the on the news today, Tony Fresha. The third candidate in the in the running, he has started a, a a poster campaign in Catalonia in Barcelona today on all the all the bus signs, all the bus shelters and stuff like that. Totally slamming Joan Laporta, uh, accusing him of gaslighting, gaslighting uh, Luz de Gas, saying that he was gaslighting him, that he's he's a he's a sort of classic politician. He's twisting words and things like that. Big yellow posters and that. But the, the most interesting one is um it says it's it's a it's a picture of Laporta and it says today seems like a good day to have breakfast in Bros. It's a reference to the fact that Joan Laporta was a big part of the 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 team CF Rouse who went bust last year. He was a big part of the financial management of that of that of that team before they famously were liquidated because they, they couldn't pay their nine million of debt. Laporta was a big part of that, so he's directly associating Laporta with the fact that that club went bust, and he's kind of um, it's got quite quite messy over there. So I'm I'm looking forward to to that. Anyway, complete complete side note. Let's have a look at Barca Sevilla because Barca leap were leapfrogged by Sevilla. There, they've now got the upper hand. They're they're two points behind after that Barca win tonight, but they do have that extra game. They play each other at the weekend. How much are you looking forward to that one? Very much so. Very much so. And of course, um, Gerard Piquet came out after the disappointing 1-1 draw with Cadiz at the weekend. Um, and his comments, he came out and said, you know, it's hard to swallow. It hurts. It hurts a lot. You get a chance because of Atletico's defeat. Um, and then Kuma as well referred to it as a golden opportunity and spoke about it being more painful than, than the loss against PSG. And I think he's right. It was an absolute golden opportunity to, to capitalise on on uh, Atletico slipping up and, and they didn't and I think that officially ended their title pursuit once and for all really you say so just in terms of if we're looking at maybe who's going to get third now because I think we probably have to start thinking uh, in in that way they play each other at the weekend who is going to be more confident going into this one Sevilla off the back of six league wins in a row they haven't lost in the league since that that defeat to Atletico Barca despite all the mixed messages and feelings that we're getting at the club they've actually not been terrible in the league put they had put a pretty good run together the psg result obviously really knocked the confidence and then the Cadiz game won't have done them any favors either but their 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 league form hasn't been terrible either has it how would you how would you compare the two teams i think severe would be the most confident going into it because um as you say six wins in a row 
Um, they just beat Osasuna 2-0. Diego Carlos got his first goal of the season. And then De Jong with the other, with a cheeky little finish just after half time. Um, and it was a, it was another professional performance from Lopetegui's side um, and a, a great response from their disappointing and perhaps obscure performance against Borussia Dortmund in midweek. As someone who you big follower of of German football, what did you what did you make of that? Because I think it took a lot of people by surprise just how bad Sevilla ended up playing against Dortmund. Now they they've kept themselves in the tie, but the general feeling was that it was a bit of a disaster the other night. What did you what did you make of that game? I think it was very as a, as a Sevilla. Uh, if you're a Sevilla supporter, it's very disappointing. Um, because Dortmund have been in very poor form under the caretaker boss Edin Terzic, um, who is, it's fair to say, I think he struggled since taking over from Lucien Favre. Um, they came into the game, they were sixth in the Bundesliga, they're still a sixth. Um, they started so well for Sevilla as well. Suso scored inside 10 minutes, but then they, they threw it away. Um, Holland, as fantastic as he is, he gets a double. Moda Hood got on the score sheet too. It was a player who arrived in Dortmund with so much potential, but seemingly disappeared uh, from the stage, as it were. A uh, fantastic hit from him as well. If you haven't seen that, I'd recommend checking that out. And then Dion De gets a late goal, a player who always seems to score in the, the big, big games. Occasions. Yeah, he pulled one back near the end. Um, but I think we could probably say they're out now because they're going to have to score twice to go through. And that's without Dortmund scoring. And this is not a Dortmund side who has struggled to score goals. Um, they've averaged over two goals per game. Yeah, and Let's this see. could be, yeah, I think that's a big, big test to lose. So as badly as that, as heavily as that at home, you know, three goals, it just, it looks like they're they're really up against it. They're not as up against it as, for example, Barcelona are. And from from their perspective, the, the kind of least said about that, the better. And it, yeah, it started so well for them as well, didn't it? So it's it's a, it's a tricky one. If we look at Spanish football in general, would you say that we're in uh, a crisis? Because that's what the general feeling is at the moment. We look like we should maybe start to be worried about the future of Spanish football if you compare it to some of the other leagues. That's what all the papers are saying, that we're that we're moving in the wrong direction, that other leagues are pulling ahead of us. Would you say Spanish football is in a bit of a crisis or a lean spell at the moment? I think you could say it's a lean spell. I wouldn't call it a crisis. Um I think we're coming off of a lull, really, of a so-called golden age of Messi and Ronaldo and and how um, exciting the El Clasicos was back when they were competing against each other. And when Ronaldo left uh, La Liga, there was, I suppose, that little bit of a lull period, not helped by all the problems going on at Barcelona, uh, Messi wanting to leave um, and all this kind of thing, really. And I, just, I don't think the pandemic's helped that either. But I wouldn't refer to it as a crisis. I think the Spanish press just like talking about crises. To be honest, it's just a word that they use quite quite a lot. If if one of the if Madrid loses a couple of games in a row or Barcelona a couple of games in a row, it is a crisis. Maybe that word rubbed off on me, but really the 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 feeling is not good over here at the moment uh, regarding the future of, of Spanish football. And there's almost like a it's a typical sort of autopsy that happens after a, a bad result. Uh, in one team but it seems to be the entire country is doing it because there's obviously some bad results in, in the Europa League as well with uh, with Real Sociedad losing so heavily to, to Man United and I think that there's a generally quite a, a bad feeling about it and it's almost like an inquisition into like why 
Spanish football or why the Spanish teams, if you compare it at least to Manchester United, just looked like they were off the pace almost. And almost like the the Spanish league has has, has been a league that for years, because we were in the of this high of, of the of the tiki taka and the golden age and and Barcelona being so good and Madrid winning all those Champions Leagues and the Spanish national team being so good, that they were almost not very open to change. And I think that's that's a, I think that's a fairly valid criticism that other leagues that perhaps you wouldn't expect to have been open to change, like the English league, which was a very physical, very kick and rush, very direct league, now has adopted, for want of a better expression, continental styles or, or Spanish type styles in, in terms of their play. The direct traditional English game has gone out the window. But what they haven't lost is the the high pace the little time that a lot of players get in the ball and things like that. The physical side of the game has largely remained, despite the fact that it's less direct than what it was before. If you look at the Spanish league, if you compare that, do you think that, that that's a, a legitimate criticism, that the Spanish league maybe hasn't been open to change in, in, compared to some other leagues? Yeah, I do think there's a point um, with that, what you were saying there. Um, but another thing I think is that the Spanish league perhaps now more than ever doesn't have as as much revenue coming in. Um, so that's definitely a, an argument for why perhaps they haven't been able to change as much um, because the Premier League, although it's undeniably been affected by the pandemic, it would definitely be less affected than La Liga, for example. So it'll be interesting to see when things start to return to normal, whether they will start to, things do start to change or whether they will stick to the old ways and Perhaps you could refer to it more as just a transition in period. Yeah, and, and it could just be a, a lean period as the expression we used earlier. It could just be a lean period. But I think just to, generally speaking, I think that's something I, I think that we at least need to talk about in this country is that are we taking in other styles? Are we are we prepared to adopt perhaps some, or to focus more on the more physical side of the game? And to to take that criticism and to maybe try and, adap- and adapt the game. Instead of doing what what we've done kind of recently, which is to almost laugh at teams who try and adopt a more physical style. You think of Getafe, you think of even Sevilla under Lopetegui. Sevilla under Lopetegui have been called anti-football by by certain sectors of the press. And if you watch Sevilla this season, they're, you know, are there anything but anti-football, some of the goals that they've scored and some of the football that they've been playing. But because they're a bit more physical than other teams at times, you know, they're sort of disparaged and, made out to be anti-football or, or overly physical or things like that. So I think that's a, an attitude shift that we at least need to have that conversation uh, to see like what we can take from other leagues uh, to to make this one better. But hopefully it's just a lean period and they'll get they'll get back on top uh, soon. We touched on this before, but it's good to end on a, on a positive note with this thing. Real and Granada. Very, very positive. Um, fantastic win for Emery's side, uh, Real. Away from home, two important away goals, which are going to be crucial. Um, I was surprised at this result. I'm not sure what you've thought, actually, because Salzburg have become perennial champions in Austria, really, in recent years. Um, they haven't had it all their own way this season. We had a bit of competition from Rapid Vienna. Um, naturally, they've sold many of their star players in recent seasons. Many people know Orland, uh, Minamino, and most recently, Sobersloy who's gone to RB Leipzig. But they play really exciting and attacking football under um, Jesse Marsh, who was one of the contenders for the Dortmund job. And they've got a really great young forward, uh, Zambian forward, Patson Dacker, 
who's already got 16 goals in 14 league games this season. He got 24 last season. Um, but they were poor the other night. They were really poor. And it could have been a lot worse. Al Alcacer missed a penalty. Um, but I think Villarreal will go through, um, which is a, a good round for the Spaniards. It looks like two, two of the three will be progressing. Absolutely. I think I, I would have to say that uh, I was more surprised at the at the Granada result just because they have yeah. been a bit kind of changeable in the league and we all know what that player like. They're they're not quite where they had been in previous seasons where you, you would advance them to get to the latter stages of like the Champions League, for example. But they're still not a bad team. And to see Granada going in there again, they just keep surprising you. The surprise they were surprisingly good against PSV away as well, uh, earlier earlier in the campaign. It's a first season in Europe. I just think it's a great story. And amongst all the kind of negativity. I think it's a great story, and I would love love if they did an Alaves and got <laughs> <laughs> got to the final. But there's, there's some seriously good competition in in there as well. But yeah, that's a if we're gonna gonna focus on the positive, that's two very very good results. And it looks like ninety minutes plus three looks like Madrid might just pull this one out of the hat. So that looks like a good result for them. So it's not all doom and gloom at the moment. Um, Looking forward to the the weekend. We've already mentioned one or two of the games. Uh, what are your picks for what ones would you recommend that people people watch and why? Uh, obviously, Sevilla Barca is the pick of the bunch. Um, that's going to be quarter past three UK time or four fifteen local time at the Sanchez Pizjuan third v fourth, and it's the first of the the two meetings between these two teams within the space of a few days. Because of course, on Wednesday, uh, Sevilla will go to the Camp Nou. In the second leg of Copa del Rey, which are the two 0 That's it. Yeah. So two two finals. That's Madrid's game just finished there. So one 0 win for them, which is a great result. Um. Yep. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good one. And as I as I mentioned before, Suso won't be there for that game as well. At least for the first one, it looks like at the time of recording, he missed training on on Wednesday, which suggests to me could be a very late inclusion or that maybe he'll he'll be out. So. It could go either way that one, and it's just it's, it's one that's definitely, uh, definitely there to, uh, to watch. I think it will just be yeah. I think both teams will be going out to win as well, which makes a makes a big difference. Uh, you mentioned Atletico and Villarreal, obvious reasons, but why for you is this one going to be going to be good to watch? Um, not only for Atletico's title chances, Villarreal have got their own European ambitions. Um, despite being in Europe this season, they've got to think about next season. Um, and interestingly, both teams, uh, Atletico, obviously, although it was their home game, they're coming back from Bucharest. Um, they're going to be tired from that, playing against physically against Chelsea. And as well, Villarreal are playing tomorrow night um, against Salzburg in the second leg, So, which is obviously why it's on Sunday. But it'll be interesting to see um, how both teams not only react, but how they are physically. Because That's it's it. been an ever-demanding ever season. Yep, definitely. And lastly, you've you've picked a game uh, at the bottom of the table. What one have you gone for at the bottom? Yeah, at the bottom of the table, we've gone for Avon and Huesca. Uh, Huesca obviously coming off the back of that fantastic win against Granada at the weekend. Um, Avon are in big trouble themselves. Um, they lost against Elche at the weekend. Uh, they're in a really poor run of form, actually. And whoever loses this game is going to be really really worried i think that's it uh, you mentioned we were going to do an entire section on this but um we decided against it but you, you mentioned mendy Libar's comments 
earlier. Yeah, you made some strange comments um, actually about the just about the Spanish league, and um, it was to do with diving and stuff, right? Yeah, it's kind of just a bit odd kind of outburst, but I think you see it a lot like we, we were talking about board the last last time when you're down there when things aren't going well sometimes these strange outbursts happen you know but yeah just about the the level of diving and stuff in the spanish league didn't seem to be happy which is a bit weird because abar aren't i don't think abar particularly fall victims to that but i think you're just trying to kind of grab onto anything when you're down there and the, the feel-good factor will definitely be with west on that one because as you say great win over granada that was the game of the weekend in my opinion it was an absolute cracker three two uh, and great to see them you know winning the game because it's uh you're starting to feel pretty sorry for them so yeah really good so that's three good picks quick predictions for each one atletico versus Real. who's gonna win atletico <laughs> atletico okay yeah uh sevilla versus barcelona it depends how it depends if sevilla got one eye on on the copa del rey which they're going to be more interested in but i think if it's this game i think sevilla yeah i'm going to score draw on that one and i'm going to agree with you on the first one with uh, with Atletico, and lastly, Abar and Wesca. If anyone's going to win it, I fancy Wesca. Yeah, Wesca. Feel good factor. I think I would yeah. agree with you. Yeah, Wesca. So, yeah, that's uh, one p.m. Saturday UK time, two p.m. Spanish time. Sevilla versus Barcelona is three fifteen UK and Irish time, four fifteen p.m. local time. And Atletico is. Oh yeah, that that this the Sevilla games on Saturday, isn't it? Sevilla Barcelona is on yeah Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, that's it. Uh, and uh, on Sunday, Atletico versus Villarreal, uh, Sunday night, nine p.m. our time, eight p.m. British and Irish time. So there's three pretty decent picks. You've had our predictions, so yeah, I would I'd, I recommend watching those. Um, okay, well that's all we've got time for this week. Thanks for joining us as always. We'd like to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at Get Spanish Football News and you can also visit our website at Get Football News Spain. Not Get not get Spanish Football News.com. Get Football News Spain. Very important that. Uh, and you can visit us there to get all the latest on what's happening in Spanish football. Thanks for joining us. As always, Reese, thank you at home for joining us and we'll see you again soon. Adios. <laughs>